Hello, and welcome back to Lost in Citations, our regular podcast where we speak to the producers of interesting content and try and learn a little bit more about their background. Joining us today is Luisa Zilhofer, who is a junior associate professor from the University of Kyoto. How are you doing today, Luisa? Oh, great. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me here. So I know you from your time at Kyushu University, and I've also been reading your work over the last couple of years as well, so I'm, I'm quite well versed in it. Could you give our listeners uh, some of your background and uh, what brought you to Japan? Okay, thank you. I fell in love with Japanese culture when I was about 14, 15, and started to learn Japanese. So it was completely self-study with books and CDs, you, you know, the old school way. Mm. And back then, it was not easy to get access to videos or other resources. In this sense, the internet nowadays is such a paradise for language learners. Mm. And at the time, unfortunately, I was somehow trapped in the German education system, where the path is already decided at the age of 10. Right. And my school was a Realschule, um, a real school in English you can say, uh, like the name says, it's targeted for real jobs like <laughs> bank accountants, nurses, civil service, and so on. So the academic world was completely out of reach. Mm. But after graduation, I went to vocational school and learned to be a foreign language correspondent mm -hmm. for French and English, actually. <laughs> um, but I couldn't give up my dream to study Japanese at university. Mm. So that's why I decided go back to high school and there is a special high school system for people you know for the real people mm -hmm. who have their certificate in vocational training but the problem was uh, that these are extremely restricted and you are only allowed to choose your own area so in my case foreign language correspondent was classified as economy you know economy area mm -hmm. and i'm a person who is interested in almost everything but not in economy stuff <laughs> so i hate business stuff and i wanted to change to another discipline biology and science but the german system is very strict so to be allowed to attend i had to do an additional year with teaching in tractor driving welding and even chainsaw training um, several, several injuries included, I can tell you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but in a certain way, but in a certain way, I benefited from the whole extra school time because in the meantime, I was in Japan for a short Japanese language course mm -hmm. and the teachers were so great, so devoted to the teaching. So that was when I felt that I want to be a teacher too. Mm. Anyway, um, in these years, I got older. And older and also a little bit a little bit wiser <laughs> so when the time came i did not choose japanese as my major anymore so that was my initial plan you know mm -hmm. and i wanted to live and work in japan and thought so who needs a person who speaks japanese and knows japanese classic text and history what do the japanese really need so japanese skills are great but you must have some extra bonus to offer or like they say here in Japan, plus alpha, you know, I like this word. You have to, you have to um, offer something, not only Japanese um, 
language skill. What about your uh, chainsaw and tractor driving skills? Were they not in demand? Yeah. <laughs> this one really, this, this one year was so crazy. Um, <laughs> I just needed that for the um, entrance to the uh, high school system to be able to study biology and uh, science. And then after three years, I was able to att- uh, to go to university. Right. This really, really, really strict system in Germany. So um, to offer this plus alpha, um, that's why I chose Deutsch als Fremdsprache. This is German as a foreign language, as my major in university, and Japanese and Chinese as minors. Um, I enjoyed a very international environment in my department. At Munich University, after graduation, then I applied for jobs, and voila, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that's a that's quite a long route around, but uh, yes, good good for you to yes. sticking to it. Now, the paper yep. that we're going to be discussing today uh, is the 2020 paper mm-hmm. called "Mindfulness in the Foreign Language Classroom." influence on academic achievement and awareness. The concept of using meditation to improve language learning, what made you interested in this area of uh, language teaching? (laughs) Yeah, this was like the most things in life, uh, not planned. (laughs) (laughs) The studies uh, at university uh, were really stressful. Though many think that the subject German as foreign language was practice-oriented, and even looked down upon sometimes, but it was actually highly ac- academic. Mm. The many theories, tons of lectures, hours of exams, library marathons, and so on. Um, the library, that's where I stumbled across some meditation CDs. So I lent some of these and listened to them, uh, somewhere in English, somewhere in German. And actually, I started to relax with these. So I tried almost all of them which are avail- available mm. in the <laughs> in the university library network and bought even one or two. At that time, I don't know um, if it's a German thing, but if you went to a bookstore at that time, such corners started to be everywhere. You know, most of them was de- were decorated with singing bowls and aromatic incense sticks and some new age uh, spiritual touch things. <laughs> Though that's what I actually didn't like so much about it because it seems suspicious somehow. <laughs> and uh, yes, and untrustworthy a little bit because it's this new age thing and... Uh, but in the meantime, there were obviously some people like me and research about this topic was flourishing as never before at that time. So what methods of meditation did you study? Uh, for myself or like what I tried? Uh, yeah, so uh, which of the methods did you find worked best for you? Uh, for me, um, I liked, I really liked uh, the guided meditations. Um, and nowadays you can find everything uh on youtube as it's like it's crazy you can find a, a meditation a guided meditation for everything for a uh, back pain for test you have ex- anxiety before test you can find anything but uh back then it was the cd area 
<laughs> and I really like guided meditations. Um, I liked yoga nidra. It's called uh, yoga, but you just lie on the floor <laughs> and listen. So that's I really my kind I of like. yoga. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I like the guided meditations because for beginners, um, and I was a complete beginner, um, that was really helpful because you're, you're thinking about anything, uh, when you try to meditate on your own mm. without guide, guiding. So I found it really, really nice. Well, you point out in the paper that meditation was first introduced into psychology in the mm -hmm. 1930s. And the book that introduced it was the introduction to Zen Buddhism, for which the preface uh, of it was written by Carl Jung. And I mm -hmm. can see where the kind of Jungian uh, theories of uh, psychology and that of uh, trying to get in touch with and control one's shadow, one's darker side is something that meditation would probably assist with. Because in the paper, you talk about uh, the links with self-efficacy, which is something else that I'm, I'd like to talk about a little bit later. But perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what the study was and how you designed it, and then maybe a few of the significant results. Yeah, um, actually, uh, research has shown that meditation exercises can improve learning in different ways. Um, however, uh, can meditation also improve the learning of a foreign language? That was the big question. Mm. So until now, there are, there were only few studies which looked on the combination of language learning and mindfulness and not even one in a Japanese setting. There were all in with, I think in target language were, uh, was English. Mm -hmm. So in Implementing meditation exercises in a foreign language setting in Japan with German uh, is a completely new new thing. So to fill this research gap, I started to let my students meditate. And this article shows actually a partial study of 75 students. Mm -hmm. But actually there were more. Um, until now there are 300, I think. 300 students until now and uh, they were absolute in this study in my article they were absolute beginners and I let them meditate for a whole year so over the two over the period of two semesters the participants were divided into three classes um, with the same teacher um, me mm -hmm. and the same textbook and the two classes um, meditated every time in before class or in the beginning of the class, um, two times a week. One class did a guided meditation. They listened to a three-minute audio recording with Japanese meditation instructions. And the second class did a counting breath meditation. The students counted from 10 until 1 in their head and concentrated on their breath. And the third class was the comparison group and had no meditation exercises. And I wanted to test if the meditation exercises had an effect on the language learning. Mm. So I did six language tests with grammar, vocabulary, listening. So yeah, you can say the standard, the standard language test mm -hmm. um, over the, over the year. 
and to measure the mindfulness level of the students and the effect, a questionnaire was used at the mm. beginning and the end of the first semester. You want to know the effect, what, 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 what happened, right? I would, I would love to know the effect. I'll just say, I'd, <laughs> while I was preparing for this uh, interview, I did try the count to 10 activity. Oh, really? Yeah, it, 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 felt, it felt great. Because you, as you say, you're you're focusing on your breathing, and at the end, so you breathe in, and then at the end of your out breath, you yeah. say one, and then breathe in, at the end of your out breath, two, and you're just kind of tr yes, focusing yes. on that pattern. And I also found it interesting that that you noted that if at any time you forget the number, you have to go back to one again. So <laughs> it's a rather right. it's a That's rather right. strict exercise, but um, no, it worked. I, I did feel uh, a lot calmer afterwards. Um, so yes, it would be great to hear some of the uh, results. Hopefully successful. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, the effect on language learning was like it was great that all students make progress with the language learning. That's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, all classes. Um, however, the two meditating classes had significantly better results mm -hmm. uh, over the period of one year uh, than the class who did not meditate. And there was even a, a difference between the two different methods of meditation. Mm -hmm. So um, for the mindfulness level, both meditation techniques helped to increase the mindfulness level. But it seems that the guided meditation had different effects than the count to 10 method. For example, there was a um, difference in how the two classes evaluated overall mindfulness and the class which used uh, guided meditation reported higher levels in observation and awareness. Right. Yeah? This was really interesting to see. But the good thing is the exercises were perceived very positively in both classes. Oh, that's good yeah. to hear. So the study showed that meditation can benefit language learning and boost students' mindfulness level somehow. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, did you continue doing this with your classes, even if you weren't studying them? Is this something that you yes. do? Yes, 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 yes. For um, Because <laughs> I want to have a relaxed and a good atmosphere in my classes. And I, I saw the results of my study. So I really want to meditate, to let them meditate. Now, in the paper, you quote from previous studies saying that it requires the students to be to kind of buy into the process and mm -hmm. it might not work for highly active or you know energetic classes um so do you think that meditation kind of suits the university teaching environment better because you know the students are a little bit older maybe slightly more focused Mm -hmm. That's a really good question, um, because actually I expected a lot more resistance by the students, um, but that was one of the most valuable findings in my study, that they really liked to meditate, mm. and because in 2014, I think, uh, there was an American study where about 70 college students mm -hmm. without meditation experience they were asked to express their views of meditation and conditions under which they might consider trying to meditate and what they find appealing about or not. And 
they found that time was a major barrier. So mm. um, the time you take to meditate, they are not willing to take time to meditate. And also the lack of knowledge or the potential misperceptions regarding meditation, the particularly in viewing meditation as new age or mm -hmm. spiritual trend. So that is why I was surprised how well these meditation exercises were received by my students. And I think you're, you are completely right. I think that's when students, when they are resistant towards the meditation practice, they are un unlikely to participate in the exercises. Um, but I wanted to know about this. So last year, actually, I did a study on this very issue. So do the students really feel What do they feel and think about the meditation exercises? So the paper on this ex acceptation study will be hopefully published next year, um, but uh, in Japanese this time. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you what it was totally worth it. So I could, I really found what the students like and what they dislike and what I can improve in the next, in the next year, in the next academic year when I Hopefully, the online classes are... Uh, right. Yeah. Given the positive outcome from the study that's reported here, I would guess that it's something that if you continue using it in your classes, you're only going to get better at it, and you'll be better at introducing it to the students, making sure there isn't resistance to it. So this is all uh, a very positive move forward. I was interested to know, in the guided meditation for the three minutes of instructions, what kind of instructions were the students given? Oh, yes. Very interesting. It was in, in Japanese, mm -hmm. first of all, because among researchers, there is no consensus on whether one should meditate in the mother tongue mm -hmm. or the target language. Mm. So some say it would be too stressful for the students at the beginner level so that's why I chose to do the recordings in Japanese. Mm -hmm. But now I think that there is actually too little evidence for that. So I will try a new recording mm -hmm. um, for advanced beginners. Maybe new vocabulary could be given also with ex examples on the board because it's very repetitive in nature, mm. the meditation scripts. So this can actually, repetition is very good for language learning. So this could be used for the practice of target vocabulary or expressions. But in the guided meditations, um, the script uh, was, was very, just sit down, uh, put your feet on the ground and... Actually, there was, again, this breath, uh, focus on breath and relax and don't think about anything. Um, I have an English in my appendix, I think. There is an English translation. For everyone who's interested, um, can write me an email, for, of, of course, or uh, can uh, see the appendix on the, on the website. And it's, it's very easy. It's, it's like... Uh, Concentrate on your breath, put your feet on the ground and your spine, concentrate, make your spine comfortable, mm -hmm. something like that. And your posture, P take care of your posture as well. So the paper we're talking about is Mindfulness in the Foreign Language Classroom, Influence on Academic Achievement and Awareness. And the word mindfulness 
is something that's come up in the podcast a couple of times before, uh, first with Professor Mark Helgeson, and then more recently mm -hmm. uh, with Professor Amar Maboub. Um, to quote from Professor Helgeson's textbook on this, meaningfulness comes in part of uh, what's known as happiness 2.0, um, which was developed by Seligman and has the acronym of PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. So it begins with positive emotion, followed by engagement, relationships, meaningfulness, and then achievement. And this is something that uh, we talked about with Professor Helgeson, and we went through the textbook and several activities that he recommended. One of them is actually the eating of a blueberry muffin with <laughs> yes. with meaningfulness. The idea being that you uh, savor the experience and you experience it more in a more complete way than simply having it as uh, a snack. It's something that you're actually doing. And I'd like to, again, quote from Professor uh, Helgeson's book. The chapter on meaningfulness is introduced by a quote from Martin Yan, which says, happiness comes when you believe that you have done something truly. So uh, I wonder if, if you agree with that and what kind of meaningfulness has done to improve your study or your work. Oh, that's so, so nice. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I agree. And mindfulness, happiness, they are connected together. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness is the living about in the present moment. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's to be um, right here, right now, to feel the now. Actually, I have the comparison, the zoom lens. So a zoom lens can zoom out and zoom in. Mm -hmm. Like you can switch your state of mind. You can have a larger perspective on what is taking place. So be mindfully aware of the whole situation. Or you can zoom in and focus on situational details. So focused attention. So I think um, this the blueberry muffin, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's, the comp it's really like to not... Um, watch TV while you're eating the blueberry muffin or mm. reading something or thinking about anything, mm -hmm. just eating the blueberry muffin is actually pretty difficult for most of us nowadays. I would agree. The, the possibility of being overstimulated and having access to too many inputs means that we don't always, as you say, exist in the now and uh, savor these moments. So savoring uh, is another word that comes up quite a lot in the literature. Okay, so this is an area that I would like to ask a little more about because it's, like I said, it's a theme that has continued through uh, the podcast. And I think mainly because the intent behind this behind this project is to try and bring together people from lots of different fields and see if we can teach each other uh, more about studies and research and things that we might not have known about before, but is going to help us be more successful and also be more happy. What are your plans moving forward? How are you going to, we've talked about some of the ways that you're going to adapt the meditation techniques. Are there any other types of meaningfulness and mindfulness aspects that you're going to bring in to the actual language teaching? Yeah, actually, that's a really, really good question. Um, because lately there is a discussion, um, going on about, uh, meditation and mindfulness training for the teachers, mm. you know, <laughs> because yeah, let the students 
Let's meditate and get them a little bit peaceful and focused. But the teachers themselves, some of them are not so focused on the uh, ongoing lesson. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would be great to just be in the lesson and be with the students. Um, that's sometimes really difficult. And the, the meditation mindfulness training for teachers is um, starting to evolve right now. I think that's a great idea. We, when you worked at Kyushu University, we often spoke about uh, methodologies and things that we were doing in the classroom and projects that we were doing to try and improve our teaching. And that is something that when you work at prestigious universities like Kyushu University, like Kyoto University, you are working with world-class researchers and people who have a great amount of skill in their field of study. But when it comes to language teaching, it's almost like a side project that they are required to do, but not something that they give a lot of time thinking about. So being mindful, being present in their classes, I think would really help them. Um, would you have any hints for our teachers, or if there are any language teachers listening, are there any hints that people could try today, like the a count to 10 exercise that uh, I tried and uh, I, I found it quite relaxing. Are there any other hints or tips or things that you could give to our listeners that they could start trying today? I really recommend to try anything first. So what's a feeling good for oneself? Because some people love guided meditations and others hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, just they don't want to hear anything. She was just uh, meditate. So maybe try guided meditation. Go to YouTube. Try one, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 20 minutes or one hour if you, <laughs> if you want. Um, we'll do that. Um, and try different speakers because everyone has a different, um, meditation guiding style mm-hmm. and you lo- have to like the voice. Mm-hmm. And when I go into my classes, I try to take at least 20 seconds, also when I'm, I'm a little bit late, <laughs> but I try to take 20 seconds and just, okay, this is my, this, this is my class. These students, they come to my mind and I try to be the nicest person in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is always my, my motto and then we have the meditation for three minutes so actually i meditate with them so Mm -hmm. it's pretty good for me (laughs) i agree with you on that one and that is a a very good method of being present in the class to kind of slowly shut out and it, it can just take about 20 seconds or 30 seconds or maybe a minute but slowly shut out all the other things that are going through your mind the meeting you have to go to the paper that you're writing the research project you have to set up and just be present in the classroom and like you say you know be focusing on the students who are there in front of you i don't know if i could ever be the nicest guy in the room but uh, <laughs> i'll i'll keep working on that one yeah, that's always my, always my motto. So you have to find your own. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to ask you about the process of publishing your paper. So once again, the, the paper that we're talking about is Mindfulness in the Foreign Language Classroom, Influence on Academic Achievement and Awareness. About how long did it take you from thinking about you know, writing this paper or which journal you might want to put it in and finally getting it published? 
Oh yeah, that's that's a good that's a good question. Actually, it like eternity, <laughs> <laughs> and um, really, it was quite a journey. And I really like the journal. I submitted first to to another journal. Mm. And they that's not our scope. That's not the journal scope. Um, please go on. Okay. <laughs> and so um, I tried language teaching research. Mm -hmm. And I was really, really happy when they accepted. But I have to say it took really, really long. Um, I think I waited five months for an, for an answer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. can take uh, take a long time and the and it does take it take a lot out of you as a person as a researcher um when you get a rejection and you then have yes. to start the whole process sometimes you have to reformat the paper, you have to change a few of the sections around. Um but I've I've just found the just found the message that you sent me which was I can finally announce my article has been published and I'm counting 13 exclamation points after it. So I think oh. you were pretty, I think you were pretty happy about that one. So <laughs> really, really. Yeah. Maybe that's, it was expressing my feelings pretty well, I think. <laughs> and then, and then a, and a, and a gif, gif of a banana saying thanks a bunch. So that was very nice. <laughs> so you can see in what state of mind I was uh, at that time. <laughs> A hundred percent. Maybe I should. I I really meditated a lot in the t in this time actually, and that uh, was helping me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. The so how about your writing process? Are you always in the process of submitting a paper and then while you're writing another one? And is it is it an ongoing one, or do you try to complete one paper, get it published before you start working on the next one? Yeah, I admire these people who can do that. But actually, I'm writing six articles right now, and all are in the somewhere <laughs> in the middle of. Yeah, I, I admire people who can do um, their paper and finish it and focus on just one. Six might be a record. I mean, I thought I was being a bit ambitious with three. Six might be a new record. Maybe I should ask that to all of my interviewees and see if we can find out who actually is the most productive person. Uh, are they all on the topic of meditation and mindfulness or do you have any other minor interests that you're following? I have to force myself to concentrate on just one topic because mm -hmm. I have interest in anything. I'm interested in everything with teaching and I try to limit myself but uh, four of them are on mindfulness yes uh, are they working with students or teachers or both actually um one is the following study where I switched the meditation technique so in this study in the article we are focusing here in this podcast I had to have the students meditate for one year. But in the next study, I changed the meditation technique in the winter semester to see what happens. And um, this is the second study. Um, this was really interesting what happened. Um, it will be published hopefully next year. 
um, this time in German. <laughs> so I I have to switch all the the, uh, the language all the time. So, so otherwise I get bored. So the next one is a literature review mm-hmm. on language teaching and mindfulness and learning. So it's a literature review and other are to are in Japanese about the acceptance. That's an interesting thing that you're you know, six papers in three different languages, but you also have the experience of education in uh, these two countries as well. How accepting do you think, you mentioned before that the German education system is quite strict, and while you may leave the school with a high qualification in welding and agricultural <laughs> activities, it, it, it might not lead you to the career that you were actually expecting. How accepting of meditation and improving mindfulness do you think that uh, educators in Germany will be? Oh, that's a really good question. I think the teachers, not the university um, professors, because they are actually very up in the sky. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think the the teachers in normal normal schools are pretty open, right. I think. Mm-hmm. There are some mindful schools uh, opening lately. It's Everything is happening in the schools, not in the universities. It was interesting at the start of the podcast that becoming a university professor didn't sound like that was classed as a real job. So, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, we've, someone, someone who we've uh, lost recently, um, Sir Ken Robinson, who was an educational speaker from the UK, talked about the fact that university faculty view their bodies as just things to move their heads from one meeting to another. So it's possible that while they could receive some advantage from more mindfulness, that you think maybe it's probably the, the high school teachers who are more likely to accept it. Yeah, like you say, they are more real, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope nobody is feels offended here in this podcast. I'm sorry. Well, I'm a university professor. And I, I I completely agree with your uh, assessment. Um, to finish this uh, interview, I want to focus on the, the final part of the PERMA acronym. So the A, which stands for achievement or agency. In your career, what would you say is going to be or have you already had something that you think is your greatest achievement or what are you working towards wow that's that's an interesting question well shall we shall we break let me it think, into, let we me break th- it into two then what would you say has been your greatest achievement up to now um i think my greatest achievement up to now is to having the pleasure to work with uh, one of the uh, was some of the brightest students in whole Japan. Mm-hmm. I I really I really really love my students. They are all so wonderful, and I think the Kyoto students and also of course Kyushu University students were also so great. Thank you. Um, but I'm really honored actually. <laughs> I'm really honored uh, to be to be allowed to teach these great young people. Also, how about in the future, how do you think that meditation and mindfulness is going to help you uh, achieve more in your job or in your language learning? I, I believe that you're learning Chinese as well. Oh yes, right. Mm. I am lately for my Chinese studies. I love to listen to Chinese guided meditations. Right. 
I enjoy it because I can learn and relax at the same time. And that's really great uh, because it's slow and it's uh, repetitive and soothing and you can really learn and train your listening skills. And I think Chinese is really beautiful and can relax really great. great. For my work, actually, um, meditation research has shown so many benefits like lower blood pressure or cholesterol levels, relieving depression and so on. Um, Actually, there's so much research out there now. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by myself. But for me personally, I mostly benefit from relaxing and the help with overthinking though so i sh- it showed me that i cannot control my thoughts and even my next thought is not under my control so i can t- take a step back and just observe the present moment and that is really really helpful for my job as well i completely agree and i i'm definitely going to try more of these techniques in my daily routine as, as you pointed out, right now we are uh, doing online classes, but that doesn't preclude the possibility of starting your class with a little bit of mindfulness activities. And so I, um, I encourage our listeners to uh, take a look at the materials that are available online. As you say, there's plenty there. Or check out Mark Helgeson's book, English Teaching and the Science of Happiness, uh, all about positive psychology. But I'd like to say thank you very much for our guest joining us today. The paper we've been discussing is Mindfulness in the Foreign Language Classroom, Influence on Academic Achievement and Awareness. Thank you for your time today, Louisa, and I wish you the best of luck in your future work. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me here. And I wish you all the best and a mindful uh, life. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. If you'd like to contact the show, the best place to find out about us is our website, lostincitations.com. Here you can learn more about the background to this project and how you can get involved. Our hope is to help academics, educators, and online content producers get in contact with each other. Our email address is lostincitations at gmail.com. We also have Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Please rate and comment on the sites you use to download your podcasts. It helps us reach more potential listeners. But probably the most helpful thing you can do is, if you like our content, recommend it to a friend and let them know what we're trying to do. Thank you very much.